Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm your host, Moed Amin, and I'm truly excited to have you on the show today. The goal of this show is very simple, actually. It is to help you become the best version of yourself in sales and business growth. So whether you're a business leader and founder, whether you're a sales leader or a sales professional, if you want to learn how to move people and persuade them and to actually work with them closer, this is the show for you. And we invite people from, you know, guests from all walks of life and all expertise, from body language experts to sales professionals, the traditional kind of sales professionals, even down to health professionals to help you use your body in the best way so that the best version of yourself shows up every day at work and with your clients. So today, um, I'm very excited to have this guest on our show. She is the CEO and founder of Propel Growth, and Propel Growth help people sell more through LinkedIn. So I'm very, very interested to hear what she has to say today. Now, she, prior to Propel Growth, she actually founded four technology startups, uh, and then she took the daunting task of um, helping and advising people through LinkedIn, and there's a lot of work being done there right now. And what really attracted me about this person was the results that she achieved. You know, in six months of, of doing this herself and helping others, uh, and just look at my notes here, you know, she created an additional 500 connections, 125 meetings scheduled, and secured $438,000, all within six months, and all without using any form of bots or automation at all. So this is, if, you know, if, if LinkedIn is a major channel for you in terms of selling and connecting with potential clients, then this really is the episode for you. Um, she now gets a staggering 71% of her meetings secured from the people that she invites on LinkedIn. So uh, please help me welcome um, Candice Edelin. Candice, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I've been really excited to jump on and talk with you about this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. And, and just an apologies to, to, to our viewers. There's a bit of a technical issue on my side here. So there's a slight lag, particularly if you're going to be watching this on, on YouTube or video format. My apologies for that. But in audio format, that should be perfectly fine. So let's, um, let's get stuck into it because I, I, I really want to you know, share and help our viewers and listeners get some really practical and actionable insights. So I, I got to ask the first question, which is, you know, I you know, really want to dig deep into how, how you're kind of getting the results that you're getting. So let's start with the first thing, because I, I get a lot of approaches from people on LinkedIn. 99.9% .9 of them are pretty awful. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what's, what are the kind of, what's your biggest bugbear when it comes to how people connect with either you or others on LinkedIn that you've observed? I want to just go back for a second to your point because I want everybody to hear what you just said. 99%, let's, let's, let's be generous, 90% of the messages, the direct messages that from salespeople that you're getting on LinkedIn are awful. I think that everybody should take hope in that because it means it's not very hard to stand out, you know? And that's what I've discovered. And so let's talk about why they're awful and then why, how easy it is to look completely different than that. If you look at the way that we've 
done marketing automation for the last what 15 years, whenever marketing automation kind of came out, like, I guess we became Marketo partners in, in 2008. Um, and that was fairly early. Um, and it, the idea is a one-to-many with a personalization. I can add your name. I can add your company name as fields. I can, if I, if I did decent buyer persona research, I can make some assumptions about your business based on maybe your SIC code or some categorization that I've applied to your business. And I put you in a list with maybe 3000 other people. And I'm gonna guess what your situation is and pitch a solution in my email. That's the way we do email marketing, right? Um, and that used to work extremely well. In 2007, when you send an email, you almost always got a reply. Um, today, when you send an email, you're lucky to get a 1.7% click-through rate, not a reply rate, but a click. And so we, we take that as the norm, 20% open rates, 1.7% click rates. We take that as the expectation, and then we apply it to LinkedIn. And if we get double that, you know, let's say one, three out of 100 people actually reply to our DM. That's so massively better than email that we can assume we're being successful. And so that's why 90 to 90%, 99% of the messages you're receiving, people figured out how to automate LinkedIn. Don't do it. It's a violation of LinkedIn's terms and service. You will get banned eventually. But um, that's the mentality that people are taking to LinkedIn is this one-to-many approach. My biggest bugbear on LinkedIn to answer your question is that people think that should work on LinkedIn. And um, what they don't realize is that if you take a better approach, you should be getting 70, 80% reply rate, not click rate, not open rate. I'm talking about people will respond, answer you on LinkedIn. And so if you change your mindset away from what's happening on marketing automation and realize that LinkedIn is just radically different environment where people actually want to talk to you, um, then the way that you think about it changes because um, most people over here on the marketing automation side, because the numbers are so low, you have to scale it to massive numbers in order to get enough accomplished. Don't think scale on LinkedIn. It's that mindset that is making these terrible messages on, on LinkedIn. Think one-to-one, human-to-human, and expect a response. We don't expect a response on email. Let's, let's expect a response on LinkedIn. And take action appropriate to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and there's a lot to take from what you've just said there, which is very <clears throat> useful. So number one is obviously don't treat LinkedIn like email in terms of automation and, and, and you know, kind of mass uh, trying to do personalization at scale. The other thing that, so, so automatically there, that tells me that LinkedIn has its place in a specific place in your outreach outreach strategy. So that, mm -hmm. that's useful there already because I, I don't think many salespeople actually know that. And if they do, they don't treat it as such. 
But the other thing that you said that was really interesting, Candice, is um, expect a 70 to 80% reply result, not click, but reply. So how do you do that? Okay, so, so walk us through what are the fundamentals, uh, fundamental actions for you to be able to expect such a massive reply, uh, reply rate? Okay, so I want you to put yourself in a networking event. Let's say you've gone to a conference and there's a particular person. Um, let's say it's Matt, let's pretend that, so both of us have worked with a company um, called, um, oh geez, all of a sudden I can't think of the name, Adaptive. Ad Adaptive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and um, the, the CEO is Matt Barrett. Both of us have worked with Matt. I adore Matt. He's phenomenal. Matt, if you're listening, hi, um, miss you. But um, let's say that you know of Matt Barrett and you want to meet him and you know he's going to be at this conference. Maybe he's a speaker at the conference and you want to go up to him and introduce yourself at the event. Let's say he's just walked off the stage and so you're you're in a group of people that are, are waiting to meet the speaker, right? You're not going to go up there and pitch slap him because that you know that that would be a turnoff. It's going to make it uncomfortable for him. It's going to make it uncomfortable for you. If you really want to meet him, you probably have listened to what he had to say, and you're probably going to go bring up something that he said and express your appreciation and maybe comment on it, right? Is that the way you would probably go meet him? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, you would talk about things that are of value to him and that, you know, things that are relevant to him, right? So it's very, very personal, yeah. Right. You're probably not gonna tell him that you know that his sales are down um, or that you're betting that his sales are down and that he really needs sales training. No, I'd ask questions. Right. Um, but, but they would lead from, a place of what I what I like to call admiration, right? So I, I talk about this where if you want to build rapport for, with someone, find what, at least one or two things that you admire about them, truly admire about them, uh, and share it. Exactly. Okay, so we just take that to LinkedIn. All right, so you haven't necessarily seen Matt speak just now, but you've got his profile and you've got Google. So you go Google Matt's name, you look at his LinkedIn profile, and um, I'm not looking at Matt's profile right now, so maybe there's not a lot of detail on it. So go Google him. You know, he's been interviewed. Um, he's been featured in articles where you can see what he's what where they've quoted him. If he's approved that quote for use in that article, it's important to him. Um, you can look at what's on their website and look at his bio on the website and find some nugget. That's the point that I want you to think is you find a nugget of information for a conversation starter. Don't try to boil the ocean. We're just looking for a nugget that can get Matt engaged in dialogue with you on LinkedIn. So then you use that nugget in your connection request and say something with admiration. I think that your point about expressing admiration for something about them is so crucial. People appreciate that. They will respond to that. It's Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you haven't read that book, you know, and you're in sales, you better read the book. It's an amazing book. It's life-changing. Um, but, you know, like you take that 
and you mention it in the connection request and you say that you would like to get acquainted. That's the big game changer for me that took me from a 35% meeting acceptance rate to 71% meeting acceptance rate, meaning that 71% of the people that I invite to meet with me on LinkedIn will book a meeting on my Calendly link. Like they don't just say acquiesce and then I'm like in, you know, appointment scheduling ping pong with them. I just send them my calendar link and they book the appointment and they show up. Like I, my no show rates probably below 5% and almost everybody that doesn't make it reschedules. So, um, you know, so because they want to talk to me because I am expressing interest in what they're interested in. I'm looking to start a conversation, not a um, pitch. And that's, that's the difference. Um, you, people get in too much of a hurry. And I think that's the other reason for people on LinkedIn pitch slapping. Um, so a pitch slap is when you send a DM or send a connection request and you just pitch them the same way we would normally do an email. People do not appreciate it. It's way less tolerated on LinkedIn than it is on email. And you know, it's because we get in a hurry as a salesperson and we think we need to scale our activities. And so I'm just going to be more efficient by pitching everybody and seeing who responds. The problem with that is that it's too early. You're, you're chasing and people don't like to be chased. And so their natural response when you chase them is to run away. So while you feel like you're being more efficient, you're actually totally shooting yourself in the foot. That is so interesting because I, ha I had an idea of some of the questions I was going to ask and you've kind of already answered them. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a good thing. Why don't we, why don't we take a step back? Because you said um, 71, I think you said 71% of the people that you invite on a meeting with you actually do take the meeting and show up. You said that the drop-off rate is less than 5%. So are you... I'm assuming you're not doing that on the connection request. So there is a process here. So you would probably... Um, express some form of admiration, something about them that you found interesting or that you admire in your connection or request. And then walk us through what happens after you receive that acceptance of a connection. So I'm really, really strategic with the way I send that connection request because now, I mean, some, I just want the connection because I want to grow my network and they have a big network of people that are I'm interested in. So this is different than network growth. This is someone I want to meet with, okay? So I'm going to send them a connection request using the nugget to start a conversation. I'm probably going to ask them a question in that connection request. And I always ask, would you be interested in getting acquainted? Because... Um, that sets the expectation at the very beginning of my dialogue with them that I'm interested in them and I'm interested in talking to them and I'm hoping they're interested in talking to me. So then um, what happens when you personalize a connection request on LinkedIn, they click the accept button and immediately an alert pops up in LinkedIn saying that I've sent them a message. So what happens is they almost always reply because they're on LinkedIn, it's top of mind. They made the decision just now to accept my connection. Now my connection request has appeared as a message. So they're looking at it again and they respond. 
So I am starting a dialogue with them two way, right? Dialogue is not one way <laughs> in spite of what marketing automation platforms have tried to lead you to believe. Um, so they reply and I get into a conversation. Usually the, the precursor to a meeting is about three back and forths. Now that back and forth could take five minutes. It could take a half an hour. It could take three days, depending on how frequently they're on LinkedIn. But usually there's, there's about a, a series of three messages as we've gone back and forth dialoguing a little bit about that topic, that nugget, don't change the subject in your first DM, stick with the subject. And then I ask them, would you be interested in getting acquainted via Zoom or a phone call? And they say yes. And then I send them my link to my Calendly link. Don't send the Calendly link until after they tell you, yes, they want to take a meeting with you because um, it feels pushy and you'll push them away just when you've about hooked them. That's really interesting. So, so the couple of things that I took away from there, that was really powerful for me because normally I, I, I normally say, you know, we'd love to get connected with you. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of the things that you just described, although not as, not as eloquently as you do. Um, but in the first message on the connection request, I, I usually end with, you know, hope that we can connect. But I don't say, you know, would it be, a, you know, I would like to get acquainted with you. So, so that message on its own, you know, implies, actually probably explicitly tells that, you know, I'm looking to seek a dialogue with you. This is not just a connection request. You know, I would like to have a conversation with you. So that was really powerful. I want really to powerful. know you. I want to yeah. know you is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And people appreciate that. I, I get comments all the time about how different dialogue with me feels on LinkedIn versus dialogue with other sellers that people want that meeting because I am demonstrating to them that I care. And I genuinely do. I love meeting new people. I love hearing their stories. And so it's, it, it really comes from the heart and you know, as sellers, we can, we can get into this mindset and I feel it too. You know, it's like, I've got our, our LinkedIn accelerator prospecting accelerator, the cart opened uh, two days ago. And I feel the same jitters and nervousness that am I going to sell enough? You know, that every salesperson feels, you know, we all get in a hurry, but you have to set it aside and be human and don't let that desperation come into your your communication because that is such a, such a put off for anybody who's looking to buy or well they're not looking to buy they're not a buyer right now they're just a person you know and it, it's kind of like when you go to the bar and you're just so desperate to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend and like when you that desperation just chases people away it repels yeah, that that is that is so insightful because I think intuitively a lot of people know that, but they certainly don't act on it, and that they treat LinkedIn, as you say, you know, as, as a pitch slap um, and another method for doing so. So you you you've you've you you've got the genuine intention to connect with someone on a genuine human to human level. You shared that you would like to get acquainted. You don't change the topic or the subject 
from that connection request, right? So you don't suddenly change tact, which will probably get their guard up. You know, you want to continue down that theme. And then the other thing that you said, uh, Candice, which was uh, really, really powerful is, you know, you're, you're inviting their permission before you take that action of sending them a Calendly link. And, and all too often, you know, you'll find people that will just throw their Calendly link at you at the mm -hmm. hope that you would want to, to waste your precious time with someone that actually, you know, they may be interesting, but there hasn't been any emotional exchange of value here. And right. uh, theref therefore, you know, why would I take that bet, right, and do so? So I thought that was really, really interesting that you that you said that. So I, one question that comes to mind, Candice, is when do you know, when do you know the right time to ask for that permission? Because you, you suggested three or four exchanges, but is there another point that kind of almost tells you when? The most important part of the strategy and the mindset that you have to have is that you're not booking a meeting to pitch them. You're, this is not a cold call where you need to pitch in the first 30 seconds or you're gonna lose them because they're gonna hang up on you. Think about it as a date almost, like a, you, you're booking that first date with a person and your goal for that first date is not to propose marriage or to propose sex, it's to get to know the other person. And if you do propose marriage on the first date, they're gonna run away. Like that's, again, you've accomplished nothing but repelling them. And if they accept, you should run away. <laughs> it's not gonna go well. Your first appointment is to get acquainted with them. And I have a plan when I'm getting on the call with them that ties together, everything in LinkedIn ties together. So my headline talks about sales and doing sales without cold calling, without cold spamming, without pitch slapping. And so they know that I'm about selling on LinkedIn for just from my headline. My profile talks in detail about how I help and how I'm different than other people out there, okay? And who I help. So they've read this information. I don't need to tell them that in my DMs because they can see this information. Every time I come across to them, my headline shows up. Your headline is so important. So I don't need to remind them of what I do because my headline does that every single communication. Okay. So that's one. Number two is I am getting acquainted with them. I don't assume that they have a need. I don't know that they have a need and I'm not going to pitch them on a need that I don't know they have. I want to get to know them. And then I want to earn permission to ask them a couple of questions about their business that will help me uncover whether they have a need. So when I get on the phone with them, I'm going to talk about this topic that we're both interested in, that we've been dialoguing about, that I know they're interested in. So remember I said, don't change the subject in your first DM. Don't change the subject in the purpose for the call either. Okay. It's all got to be connected, which means that it's important to pick a nugget that's going to make it an easier transition down the road 
to a sales conversation. Um, I had somebody pick a nugget that the other person, the person he was approaching speaks Basque. And my, my trainee was really interested in the fact that he speaks Basque and wanted to start a conversation about that. Well, he's selling AI for natural language processing. It's going to be a little bit harder to connect Basque to natural language processing. And if you did just a little bit more research on this prospect, you find out that he's studied Arabic and Hebrew and Chinese and um, a, a, another language plus Basque to understand how to use natural language processing with all these different linguistic patterns. That's the nugget. It's like, holy cow, you've studied all these languages. You're doing all this really interesting linguistic processing. I would really like to hear about your research. The guy had a PhD in that. This took me five minutes to find that out on a Google search on that guy's name. That's the nugget. Because now I can transition into a conversation about AI when I'm on the phone with them. Okay, you see where I'm going there? Like, it's really strategic. Begin with the end in mind, Stephen Covey. Like, you have to know where you're going to go so that your nugget is the right nugget. Now, not everybody can you find those brilliant nuggets. That one was like, just so juicy. But um, you try to find a nugget that's going to be relevant. Okay, so now we've had this conversation. I've, I've sent you the DM, or I'm sorry, I sent you the connection request talking about it. You respond with something about my question about that nugget. I reply to you. I might ask, a, you know, I might comment and then ask another question. You might reply. And then I might say, that is so interesting. I would love to hear more about that. Would you be interested in getting acquainted? You see what I mean? You're, we're, we're having a conversation about something you are super interested in. And you're going to so go, yeah, because I'm making you feel valuable. You want to talk to me because I'm interested in what you have to say. And I'm interested in hearing and learning from you as much as I am in sharing my own insights about the topic. So we're going to get on the phone to do a dialogue. But going back to Dale Carnegie, you know, there's a story Dale Carnegie tells in that book about he got seated next to this person at a dinner party who was like, I don't know, like an atmosphere, PhD atmospheric researcher or something like that. Like something that Dale Carnegie knew absolutely nothing about. Dale Carnegie's like an insurance salesman and this guy's like PhD rocket scientist kind of person. And Carnegie's like, how am I gonna have a conversation with this guy? So he finally just started asking the guy about his research and just, just asking the dumb questions about, well, why do you do that? And what do you do that? And just as they're having a dialogue in at the dinner party, like they sat and talked together for three hours. Dale never had much to say. He just asked intelligent questions and got this guy talking. And he says in the, in the story, the host came up to him later and he says, I don't know what you said to that guy. He told me you were the most interesting conversationalist he's ever met because Dale was just expressing interest in, a, in the topic about which he knew nothing, but he also came away having really enjoyed the conversation because he learned a lot, you know? So it's that sincerity and you need to book the appointment with that mindset. That is super interesting. And, and I can see now why, why you say that LinkedIn is just really, and I'm paraphrasing here based upon my understanding, but really it's just a channel for, for a human to human connection. 
it's just it's just a digital means for having that so when how do you decide do you decide which people you approach out of all the others that you can potentially approach from a sales perspective right so Good you probably question. have a list of a bunch of people uh how do you decide who are the right people to approach on linkedin versus other channels I am a big believer that niching, you know, the riches are in the niches, right? I, I train people. I have these 90 day accelerators and um, a lot of times people come into the accelerator with a pretty broad target audience. And um, what I find is that you want to do a little homework into the pain points that um, that target audience that you're going after is going to have, you want to be able to get conversations started in topics that are going to be interesting to your target audience. And so what I find is that if you can really, really niche down your approach to a bunch of companies and people that are very similar, it makes you significantly more efficient in your outreach. So what I always teach people to do is, um, to work a list, a small list of accounts at a time, and then to um, approach multiple people from the buying committee in those accounts. So um, I we do a 90-day accelerator and I'll, I'll have them work a, a, an account list of 40 to 50 accounts, put them into Sales Navigator so that you can keep track of them because also engaging in their posts is super valuable way to, to engage them. If you're just looking at 40 accounts. You can put those accounts into your sales navigator list. You can identify the key people and build your account map for each of those accounts and then work at one account at a time to try to get those conversations started. I just find that process to be more efficient rather than trying to cast a really wide net. You're spearfishing in this case. The other thing is to make sure that those accounts that you're going after match criteria for your ideal customer profile that um, you don't know. I mean, some people have access to intent data. And if I had access to it, I would use it. I don't have the money for those expensive platforms. But if you can find some intent data, that can help. But you still don't want to get in on pitch slap, even if you see that there's intent. That's interesting. So how, how do you decide which of, the, which, of the, which of the 40 or 50 that you should select then? Is that based upon how much they're in your top 40 or 50 in terms of how they match your ideal client profile? Is it, you know, a specific type of sub-segment of the type of ideal client profile? How do you decide who the top 50 should be within the list that you have? Okay, so I've taken two different approaches on this as my own target audience has shifted in the years. So I'll talk about both of them because they're very different and it will help. Um, so the first audience, when I first started doing this outreach on LinkedIn, um, I had made the decision I wanted to shift away from um, the financial technology, trading technology industry and go into commercial real estate tech. It was a really growing field. There's a lot of reasons why I was picking that market. So um, the way I found the commercial real estate tech companies was I, I looked up events that were happening around commercial real estate and I found the sponsors and I put together a list of about 150 companies that were had enough money to sponsor conferences now for me I was also trying to learn the industry so I also looked at the fund managers who were in the commercial real estate space because they're the target audience 
of many of the tech, not all the tech vendors, but the that helped me then narrow my list of the tech vendors to just going after the tech vendors that were selling to fund managers that were picking up a, a portfolio of real estate and they had limited investors coming in at the top. It's almost like a VC type of model where you have limited partners, you've got the fund manager and they've got a bunch of properties that they own. So I was interested in just because of my own curiosity and some writing on the topic that I was doing, I was interested in that person, that fund manager and the tech companies that were selling services to help them run that business. So that was how I picked my niche, partly because of interest, partly because I knew it was a really fast growing field. Then I, because I'm interested in this one topic, I could start having dialogue with them about the industry growth. And I could have conversations with the customer, which was the fund manager and the vendor, the suppliers that I wanted to pitch about the same topics. And um, that was help, what helped me. And that's what I, where I booked the 125 calls. I shifted that. Um, since we started doing more of this LinkedIn training, I have discovered that um, there is a huge need in a segment of the market where people sell software in the channel. So they're mostly ERP or CRM providers. And so now I focus on channel sales for three specific products. And it makes my messaging really, really clear because I'm talking to them. I have lots of people outside of that come to take our training and that's fine. But by me focusing, it allows us to really message to a specific segment that isn't being overly saturated by our competitors, if that makes sense. It's a little bit of a blue yeah. ocean. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And, and that sounds really like a really smart tactic. And one thing that I took out today, you know, I've, I've interviewed... Over the last 15 years, I took the initiative to interview B2B buyers, and I've now interviewed 426 of them. And one of the things that came out of it, which it wasn't a shock, but it was still a surprise how important it was, was the importance that they placed in the salesperson or whoever it was that was seeking to do business with them, knowing about their industry. Because knowing about their industry meant that they can have a credible conversation around what they are trying to do within that industry and how does their growth or this or their strategy compare to others within the industry and the and the kind of the, the, the kind of the environment that they're playing in. And that's what you just described there around the the kind of commercial real estate tech businesses there. Um, so I thought that was really very interesting. And when you I'm just thinking now about the how important is your profile and the quality of your posts then when it comes to your LinkedIn prospecting or outreach approach? Um, you know, does your profile um, have to have a certain standard in terms of its quality? And also, do you, do you need to be posting a lot um, about, you know, your perspective and your insights? Um, because I, I get that question a lot and there are differences in opinions out there in some people saying you don't really need to post that much. It's not that important, actually. And some saying that absolutely is because it's part of your brand equity. Um, but all seem to agree that the quality of your profile is very important. So how important are these two things, Candice, when it comes to um, you know, getting the results that you've been getting when it comes to prospecting on LinkedIn? Absolutely critical for so many reasons. Okay, so let's start with headline and, and headshot. Okay, your photo on your profile is important. 
It doesn't need to be a perfectly polished, <clears throat> perfect headshot, but it needs to show you so that they know who you are. And um, it needs to have an air of approachability on it. So you don't want the perfect pose. You want to be approachable. You want to feel, make people feel like they would be comfortable with you, that you're not some pushy salesperson, right? Okay, so that's one thing. Your headline, like I said, your headline shows up everywhere. When you comment, when you send a connection request, when you send a message, even in the email that people receive that they got a message from you, your headline shows up. So I cannot underemphasize how important the headline is. Um, it needs to speak a value proposition. Then um, the next thing is your profile. People will decide whether or not they want to meet with you based on your profile. Your profile is not your resume unless you're job hunting. It is a sales tool. And um, it's really important that it be customer centric and speaking to the customer. And if you have a bunch of data in there about how awesome you are as a salesperson, that is going to repel because it's going to make them know that they're just a number to you. And that's the last thing you want to communi communicate. You want to communicate that you can bring that, that market intelligence to them, that they can learn something from you, that they want to take a meeting with you because they will come away smarter having taken that meeting with you. Or at least they feel smart because you listen to them, right? Those two things are super critical. Now, the posting side of things. It is really important to post because once you have a dialogue with that person, they may not be sales ready. You know, they may not have a need that you can fill right now, but they might know somebody who does or stuff is going to change for them. They might change jobs. So you want to stay in their attention. So I met years ago, um, her first name's Leslie. I can't I think of her last name right now, but um, she is the CMO of one of the major divisions of F Fidelity. And I had met her, we were connected on LinkedIn, but we didn't really have much dialogue. And we had DM'd each other a little bit on LinkedIn, but this was years ago. Like I must've connected with her in like 2008. And then um, I met her at a conference um, in, I don't know, it was probably 2011 or 12. Like it had been years since I'd seen her. And I was like, oh, hey, Leslie, it's really good to see you. And she's like, man, I feel like I see you every week. And I'm like, what? She says, I see your posts on LinkedIn all the time. I feel like we're always in contact. That was like such a light bulb for me. It's like, whoa, you know, and she's never responded to anything I've posted. She doesn't like it. She doesn't comment on it, but she feels that we are in contact. That's what you want your prospect to feel is that, you know, they know you, that they see your posts and they appreciate your posts. And if you're not posting, guess what? They don't know you. But the other thing, so um, day before yesterday, I was on Sales Navigator and one of the cool things about Nav is that it, you can set these lists and then um, your feed is just the posts from the people that you're interested in. And it's not so random. So I was just kind of scrolling through looking for posts from people I'm prospecting to see if I could comment and engage with their posts. Because every time I engage with their post, it pushes it further out in the feed. So I'm paying it forward. I'm doing them a favor. And that creates sort of a mood of reciprocity, but it also makes it more likely they'll see my stuff. So um, 
I'm looking and there, there were four resellers of a product called Acumatica that had all posted the same article with exactly the same copy. They were four different companies. The reason is Acumatica uses a product called Sociable where their marketing department curates these articles, posts, pre-writes pre the post, and then they can just click a box and post it on their LinkedIn profiles. Well, it was like a two-line introduction to the article that was really just the title of the article or you know, just a description of what the article contained. It was nothing else. And I was gonna like go try to comment and there was nothing I could say to this without going and committing the time to reading a long article, which I didn't have time to do. So they basically, I'm trying to help them and they suffocated my ability to comment. So on LinkedIn, what makes your posts move forward is number one is dwell time. Did they sit on your post long enough? Two lines, I didn't dwell, right? Um, I'm just gonna scroll through if it shows up in my feed. Two is, did they comment? So did they pause? Did they click see more and, and read it? That's a trigger for the algorithm saying, ah, this is interesting content, I should push it out further. Did they comment? Ah, this is interesting content. Content. I'm going to push it out to that person's first degree connections, which are second degree to you, which is good. Um, and did they click the like? So every time you post, you want to start a conversation. Same way I'm talking about in DMs, create a dialogue, write something that makes people want to engage, say something controversial, say, ask a question, some way to get people to pause and go, oh, that's really interesting. I wanna to contribute to this conversation. Not everybody will, but the more people you get to comment, the wider your post will be seen and the more likely your prospects are to see that post and feel like Leslie did. You know, I tell you what, I'm glad that this is recorded because I'm going to go back and take a huge amount of notes. I mean, that was that was really valuable, Candice, from the, the the simple fact that you need to have a profile picture and, you know, our, our brains are wired from four to six weeks old just to recognize the smile and the shape of someone's face. So so that that is that is incredibly powerful down to the posts in which you talked about using sales navigator. And, you know, when you break it down like that, you know, it seems so not straightforward, but it seems really clear how important Sales Navigator is in terms of being able to follow and genuinely being interested in the people that you are following um, and being able to comment. And, and what you said around, you know, just posting marketing created content that actually can harm you more than do good. Uh, and you now that's something I've heard from other brand, brand professionals or personal brand experts out there. You know, you've got to add your own your own kind of thoughts and nuance to a post because then it becomes more personal. That, that's the human to human connection. So rather than throwing a flyer at someone or giving them a flyer, you're giving them, you're giving them a flyer, but with some context, your own personal opinion about it. And that's where the value is. So that was, that was hugely insightful. So it seems clear that you've got to have the right profile and you've got to be able to post not about yourself or how great you are, but post about things that are genuinely interesting to the people that you're seeking to make a connection with. I mean, this is sales 101, right? But it is, it, it is, yeah. but people don't still, understand. Absolutely. And it still surprises me how that that's that's not being used or taken to heart. What surprised you most about connecting with people or, or building a business through LinkedIn connections? That it's just so crazy easy to get meetings. It still surprises me to this day. 
Like, I mean, one week I booked 17 meetings for myself with cold leads on LinkedIn, which I don't advise um, because what happened is I, I'm busy. I have a, I'm running a business. So taking 17 meetings, um, I wasn't doing enough pre-planning and I wasn't doing enough follow-up on those because I was so busy. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's, once you get it, it's, it's a lot of effort to learn it. It's, there's a big learning curve in figuring it out, which is why I run the accelerator, these 90 day accelerators to help people. Um, so my husband, Phil is a musician and he doesn't read sheet music. So he has to memorize when he's gonna play and sing, like plays keyboard or piano. And so to get all the notes right and think about it and bring the emotion into it when he's going to perform, it takes a lot of practice. And he talks about practicing the song enough until he gets it into his spine. And then it just comes out, right? And he doesn't have to think about where his fingers are. He can think about emoting in the song. That's what it takes with this approach on LinkedIn. You have to practice it and have a teacher to help you if you want to be more efficient. I mean, I mean, you can do it. I learned it myself, DIY, right? But it took me a while. So we try to accelerate that learning curve so that you can get it into your spine and you can get better at emoting with your messaging because you're not so focused on the mechanics. But you have to learn the mechanics of how do you do that. And I, what I find with our 90-day accelerator people is they all come in like totally 100% committed to human-to-human -human prospecting. But um, like the first four weeks, most of their messages come across as pitch slaps until they have that aha moment. And it's painful. It's like, what do you mean that's a pitch slap? I worked so hard on that message. It wasn't like a one-to-many. I really just wrote it for that one person. But I'm like, yeah, but it's still a pitch slap. And, you know, once they get that and it clicks, then they get way better at it. And usually people coming out of the, um, the accelerator after they've practiced for 90 days, they'll be booking meetings with a 50, between a 50 and 56% meeting acceptance ratio. And their conversion from meeting to um, opportunity, here's the really big important thing, right? Okay, so I have all these meetings. Well, if none of them turn into an opportunity, they're just nice conversations, I'm wasting my time. But in the last group that went through from January through April, um, their conversion ratio of meeting held to qualified opportunity in the pipeline, 54%. Wow. So it's like, you, you know, people are always talking about scale. I'm like, well, if you can convert 50% of your invitations to meet into meeting request into booked meetings, and you can convert half of those into qualified pipeline deals, then is scale really the problem? Or do you just need to get off your butt and do it? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, that's the kind of conversion rates that we should be talking about because I've often said this, and, and so does so does one of my mentors, and um, you know the group that I'm involved with. You know, sales is a force for good. You know, in any other profession, if if one to two percent conversion is 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 considered acceptable, I mean, you'd be fired for negligence, and at the very you know at the very least, and and at the most, you know, you're going to be you're going to be taken to court, right? Whether that's for criminal charges or whatever it might be, you know, one to two percent conversion or acceptance should never be accepted and yet 
for some reason in scalable marketing and automated marketing and sales approaches, you know, that is, that is the kind of target that we are approaching. You know, it should be double digit conversion rates mm-hmm. as, as a benchmark. And, and that's when you know yeah, that you're right? having worthwhile, exactly. And that's when you know we're having worthwhile conversations with people where the ROI from the energy and the creativity that you put in is actually going to come back for both parties, not just for you, yeah. right? And and that, and it's it, it's hugely comforting to hear you talk about it in that way because, I suppose having been ex- having experienced just a whole load of rubbish approaches and being the recipient of that, and in fact, I did that myself, and I even and I'm probably going to get caught out here by LinkedIn. I actually did an experiment using those automation services because I wanted to see what the what the responses would be like just to kind of deliberately sit on that other side what surprised me was the number of connection acceptances i would get but no responses after that and that is to your earlier point there which is their agenda was to expand their own network for their own purposes not really to connect with me so um and what you said about that person you met leslie i think her name was you know, we're so focused on the number of likes and the number of comments, and we see that as a measure of success. But, but actually, how do you know someone isn't reading what you're, what you're posting out there and getting value from it, but they just don't respond because that's just not who they are. But mm-hmm. yet they're still getting value. And that is the beauty of having your voice heard as a minimum, rather than just having you know, kind of an engagement level. Of course, the ultimate view is to get engagement level, of course, but you also want to get your voice and your opinions heard out there as well. And through that, you get more connections and who knows later on that will become a, a, a potentially valuable deal. So this was this was hugely valuable. And I, I feel like we can talk about this for hours, Candice. So, um, you know, a couple of questions I want to ask you, which I ask all, all, our, all our guests uh, who come onto the show. The first question is... Um, which you know three books or or experts would you really recommend our listeners you know kind of buy or follow? And they don't have to be connected to LinkedIn. And you've mentioned a couple of books already, but are there any are there any kind of books or, or experts who are kind of really getting your attention right now that you really value and you'd like to share with our with our viewers and listeners? Um, okay, so my favorite books, obviously Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is um, it, it was life changing. I've read it probably five or six times. Um, And then um, Blue Ocean Strategy is an interesting book in terms of figuring out a target market that you can go after that isn't necessarily the same market that everybody else is chasing. Um, I think that that can be pretty helpful. And then um, I'm always pitching Marcus's book. Uh, Marcus Sheridan wrote this book called They Ask You Answer that... um, if you're trying to figure out what kinds of content to create for posting um, this book, I mean, I've got pages and pages of notes on topics to write for blog posts and pages on our website and posting for LinkedIn um, based on this, because it's all about finding the questions that your customers are asking and writing about that. Um, And that's what you should be thinking about with posting. It's what you should be thinking about with email nurturing and all of that kind of stuff is, is finding the questions, the objections, and writing about it. Um, there's a, a guy that I follow, um, and I was on his 
podcast recently and Brandon Lee is somebody that um, has been posting some really good stuff. Um, it's so funny. I was on his podcast recently and I started telling him a story and halfway through the story, I'm like, oh crap, you're the person who told me this story. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, but um, he posted recently about how um, when a customer asks a question um, or states an objection, he'll write a podcast or record a video or something to answer that question. And he'll then send the DM to that customer saying, you know, I, I wanted you to know I answered your question here. But then he goes and he DMs a bunch of people that are also prospects that he's been working with and says, you know, I was talking to somebody who asked this question and it occurred to me, you might also have this question. These are people in the sales process with him, or, you know, maybe they've, they've at least had one meeting, right? So he's not just spamming people here with this, but the people that he knows probably would have a similar question. He'll go and he'll, he'll share that link with them too, saying, I kind of feel like you might have the same question. And that has really helped him to address objections in the sales process before they even come up um, because they're coming up, whether they bring them to you as the salesperson or not, they're coming up in the background. And so if you can kind of handle those objections and help people think through those issues um, earlier, that, that can actually really help move the sales process along and build trust. So um, I really like that idea. I've been using it myself. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea. And uh, yeah, they ask you answer. I've heard of it a long time ago, but never bought it. So I think I'm, I think I'm going to get that book because that sounds very, very interesting. So this was hugely valuable, Candice. Like I said, I, I've learned a lot. And, and usually I bring people on the show where I can personally learn from, not just my community, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And that's kind of partly why I do this is just to help myself and, and the people that I serve, which are the community. So thank you for coming on to the show, Candice. I really appreciate it. How can, uh, how can our viewers and listeners learn more about you and get in touch? Um, I would love it if you sent me a LinkedIn connection request and mentioned that you heard me on the podcast. Um, that's your nugget to start a conversation with me. Um, also, we've got a course called Prospecting Mastery that you can take and you can find that at learning.propelgrowth.com or just propelgrowth.com will take you there too. Um, so there's a course and then our, our accelerator, the 90 day accelerator, that's a small cohort um, where we work with just 20 people at a time and, um, and you get live training with me that starts on July 12th. So if you're interested in that, um, ping me, let me know, or you can find more information about it on our site to propelgrowth.com. Great. And then we'll leave, we'll leave those links in the show notes anyway, um, so people can uh, quickly access them. So Candice, thank you very much for uh, coming on to the show and, you know, sharing your wisdom with, uh, with, the, with the community because, you know, LinkedIn is a channel that we all use. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, being generous, as you said, 90% of us are probably very bad at it. Uh, yet it's an important channel to connect with people in a meaningful way. So thank you for coming on to the show and, you know, free, freely and generously sharing with us what some of the powerful strategies and tactics we, we could be using to improve our approach. 
It's been a delight. Thank you for having me. And just remember, it's not hard to stand out. Those 90% of people doing it really badly make it really easy for you to stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Candice, again, thank you. And, uh, you know, if anyone is uh, really interested in what Candice has to share and learning more from her, we'll leave the links in the show notes. And if you're interested in how you can upgrade your sales and actually upgrade how how you can approach people and learn about the neuroscience and psychology about how you can create really powerful engagements in your sales process do leave a note in the comment section to me and i and i and my team will get back to you in a short while so until the next episode thank you everyone and uh, you know stay proud stay lucky and uh, not lucky stay stay proud and uh, you know fulfillment is growth so thank you very much everyone thank you